Are you ready for the end of the world? No. <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> well, this is Your Community Spirit, a show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up! And be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. Again, you are listening to Your Community Spirit on Your Community Radio. What other thing could we say? WDBX. Oh, yeah. WDBX. Um, Some people are listening around the world to us, so I just got nervous. (laughs) Yeah. There could be people in different hemispheres listening to us right now. Even space aliens could be tuning in. Well, we should make sure that we send a message to Paris to tell them, this is the 11th hour of the 11th day. Yes. Um, it's actually the 12th day of the actual climate conference, but today's the 11th, so yeah. that works. <laughs> Wait, it's 10 o'clock. So we have, you know, at 11, yeah. on the 11th, they have, an, like, you know, 40, yeah, 55 minutes. Matches. Yeah. Well, maybe, they're, maybe. they're in France, so it's like, you know, five, six hours ahead of us. Oh, man. <laughs> they're already, they, well, their 11 p.m. is going to be coming up in a little while. So... Yeah, I'm, and I'm sure that on the conference floor, they're all tuned in to your community spirit right now. To hear I that. hope not. I hope they're working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, global climate deal close to finishing line. Following the release of a new and streamlined draft climate pact last Thursday, United Nations negotiators were aiming to finalize a deal on Friday... That's today. Today. That would strive to limit warming to a level that once seemed unthinkable. Uncertainty lingered in the latest draft on key issues, including issues of financing for poor countries and how an agreement would differently affect richer and poorer countries. But consensus appeared to growing on what once had been stubborn divides. Quote, we are extremely close to the finish line said the president of negotiations, French foreign minister, Lorette Fabius. He is fab (laughs) for us. Before the 27-page draft was handed to... It's only 27 pages? Yeah. No wonder that it takes them forever to, like, you know, all these countries from all around the world, you know, over 200 countries, have to decide on the wording of a 20-page... 27-page document? Yeah. <laughs> if it was like 200 pages, they're just like, each of you make a page and put it in. Yeah, but 27 pages, it's harder. I've been in groups where they were trying to do a mission statement with a dozen people. and we couldn't do It's it. like a paragraph. Yeah. But now they're working on it. So to finish the quote, it's time to come to an agreement, end quote. It seems almost certain that the final agreement will compel nations to strive. I like that word. Will compel nations to strive yeah. to limit global temperature increases to less than one point. Wait, I thought we were shooting for two. Yeah, that's one of the big. I will admit, I am surprised by this. They are, they are including the one point five degree as a goal now. Like compared to pre-industrial times, alongside a firmer goal of keeping warming well below two degrees Celsius or two point seven degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, so I haven't seen the 27-page document, but it sounds like the wording is going to say, we'll definitely keep it below 2 degrees, and we're going to try to keep it below 1.5. Fabius asked the delegates to negotiate behind closed doors on Thursday evening, 
It's like, <laughs> put up your fist. Come on. Yeah. Let's take it behind the doors. We don't have to let anybody know what we're talking about. Come on. That way they can yell at each other without the press taking pictures. <laughs> and he said he would release a new draft on Friday based on their feedback and compromises. <laughs> One that he hoped would be the final version. That highly ambitious goal had once seemed unlikely to be included. Now, global temperatures have already ridden by 1 degree Celsius or 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit, triggering floods and worsening deadly heat waves and wildfire risks. Although the latest draft was just draft was just two pages shorter than the previous, how do they make it shorter? Mm-hmm. It's like it seemed like each draft would get longer as more people wanted to like you yeah. know, say stuff about it. You think so? Maybe they cut out the good parts. <laughs> <laughs> just like, which has been you know the previous draft was on Wednesday, and so Thursday it got two pages shorter because <laughs> I don't understand like. You get more input, and well, I mean, if you get compromise, you get two people who have different statements, and you merge those statements, right? Yeah, I think that's got to be part of it. Like maybe the that's first exciting. Jeff said this or that, and now they're deciding that you know it got two pages shorter. Yeah. So it's progress. Quote: The text yesterday versus today. Really, there's a lot of movement. Send Nathaniel Hiohan of the Environmental Defense Fund. There's a huge amount of work to be done. There's no question about that, end quote. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. Contains of the new draft raise the specter that a, uh, quote, loss and damage mechanism, which uh, would see developed countries help poor countries recover from crisis triggered by climate change, would be diminished. That would be a victory for wealthier countries. In a potential victory for poor countries... The latest draft suggests that wealthier countries are prepared to commit to clarifying how they will provide $100 billion a year to poor countries to help deploy clean energy and adapt to the changing climate. Yeah, so it's a struggle where it sounds like they're wanting to pay less for helping poorer countries recover, but also wanting to pay more for helping them adapt. So it's, it's, it's a give and take, you know. It sounds like it's better results than I expected. Is it still going to be enough to bring us down to 1.5 degrees Celsius? Probably not, but we'll see. Well, I mean, for me, this next one is a tremendous, like, I don't know, slap on the back of the head. Yeah, yeah. this next one, it's like, I wish I had the Twilight Zone theme queued up. We're entering into the Twilight Zone. That's much better, yeah. So ExxonMobil warns of... Catastrophic 9 degree to 12 degree Fahrenheit global warming without government action. Well, this is why it's a slap in the back of the head. They just spent 40 years denying that there is such a thing. Yeah. I mean, they knew. I mean, they've been studying, right? Yeah, they've been studying it. They were very actually very pioneering in studying the uh, effects of climate change and the possible consequences. And they learned about it and said, oh, this is going to ruin our business model. Let's fund denial. I mean, it's interesting that the Washington Post actually reported on Sunday that ExxonMobil has a saner view of global warming than the Republican Party. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like they have been studying in 40 years and denying that it's happening. So they finally, But now they're finally saying, hey, it is happening and it's bad. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the stages of climate change grief. You know, the first sh- stage of grief is denial. So they were in denial for 40 years, and now... Well, they weren't in denial. They probably knew it was happening, but they wouldn't have made money for 40 years if they had admitted that climate change was happening, because they were causing it. 
Yeah. And so that's the thing is now by, you know, flipping over and saying it's going to happen, they're not admitting that they're culpable. Yeah, no. But by maybe by doing this, they'll get less likely to be sued for causing climate change. What do yeah, you think? I think so. I think they're trying to save face and they're trying to not get sued. So they're trying to come clean. Now. But I would at this point say they admitted it. Let's sue them. <laughs> <Just> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. They spent 40 years denying it and now they're admitting yes. Yeah. Well, that certainly would be one way to fund all of these adaptations that they're talking about at the climate conference. So, yeah. So they're uh, saying that average temperatures are likely to rise by catastrophic 5 degrees Celsius with rises of 6, 7, or even more quite possible. If we continue using ExxonMobil's product, <laughs> that's my editorial edition. <laughs> there. Like, yeah. So it's it is kind of I feel like they're in the bargaining stage of grief, where they're saying, "Oh, we will admit what what's going on if you'll let us keep burning fossil fuels. Like tax us a little bit, it'll be fine." And so, Inside Climate News did the groundbreaking report about the denial we were talking about earlier. So this is the same ExxonMobil that became the largest funder of disinformation on climate science. Since the 70s. Yeah. You know, through the... I mean, ExxonMobil had been told by its own scientists in the 70s and 80s that climate change was human-caused and would raise catastrophic levels without reductions in carbon emissions. And that's, you know, an expose that's come out that that's the fact. Yeah. And, of course, this same ExxonMobil has been one of the largest funders of disinformation about climate science. But that's a different, you know... That's tragic, story. tragic story. The yeah. story here is ExxonMobil says now, if government doesn't, not us, not ExxonMobil, yeah. if government doesn't do something, we're screwed. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Just like. Well, yeah, yeah. That's part of still having some of the denial and some of the bargaining phase. It's like, all right, we're willing to have someone else solve the problem. We'll admit there's a problem and let the government solve it. Exactly. <laughs> we don't have to solve it. So, well. So Exxon is sounding like they're panicking and on the run, but they may have a holiday gift coming up. You know, this next story is about a holiday gift for Exxon and others in the oil industry. So the oil industry is about to get a big gift from Congress. And not, you know, a coal in their stocking. Not even any oil at all. Nothing dirty. Yeah, not a lump of well, coal. Well, money is dirty. Yeah, dirty, dirty money, dirty votes. <laughs> When Congress emerges on the other side of the annual scrum of budget building, the oil and gas industry is poised to pick up a major win. The decades-old oil export ban, which was developed to protect American consumers and support energy independence, is unlikely to survive into the new year. The ban is expected to be lifted in a rider attached to the omnibus spending bill, which is stuffed annually with environmental cuts and attacks that can't otherwise get passed, which is due on Friday. Environmentalists and consumer advocates have largely come down against lifting the ban, which they say will increase fossil fuel extraction in the United States and raise oil prices for American consumers. Quote, this will certainly lead to more drilling, Radha Atar, a federal policy representative for the Sierra Club, told Think Progress. Oil Change International, an anti-fossil fuel group, estimated that lifting the ban will result in 476,000 more barrels per day by 2020. So here we are talking about the need to reduce fossil fuel use, and eliminating this ban will create hundreds, hundreds of thousands of more barrels per day by 2020. American Petroleum Institute, which is pursuing for a lift to the ban, came up with 500,000, so they're both in the same ballpark. So 
Yeah, according to the Center for American Progress, repealing the ban would result in an additional 515 million metric tons of carbon pollution each year. That's roughly equivalent to 108 million more passenger cars, or 135 coal-fired power plants. So this is no small amount of oil we're talking about here. This would unleash massive amounts of oil and fossil fuel consumption. Ah, come on, it's pretty small. Quote, <laughs> big oil is going to get $22 billion in profit because of this. $22 billion. Yeah. That's absolutely crazy. That's the actual quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> that's not our commentary. That's what the Sierra Club guy actually said. These people are destroying our democracy. They are behind every environmental attack we have to defend against, and the idea of giving them more power is unattainable, I think, especially when it comes at the expense of consumers and the environment, end quote. The Federal Energy Information Administration estimates that by 2025, the oil industry will make $170 billion from the ban's repeal. Yeah. This is also an example of how affordable our quote-unquote democracy is. You know, they probably just have to pay a few legislators, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars in order to make billions of dollars more profit. That's like pennies on the dollar, like half pennies on the dollar. I think those, remember we were talking in the last few weeks about those teenagers who are, you know, suing the federal government for not acting on climate change? Yeah. They need to sue the oil companies now. Yeah. I mean, I think they would win against ExxonMobil. They just admitted for 40 years that they've denied, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe they could, uh, what's the term, injunction. Maybe they could file for an injunction of some sort against this law, you know, because if it's going to harm them and cause them great risk of death in their future. Why are you saying them? Uh, yeah, well, us. Uh, like, <laughs> well, well the, the youth activists who are doing that, organizing that campaign, are probably going to live longer than I am. They are like 20 years younger than me. Okay, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Indigenous leaders in Paris issue... There's indigenous leaders in... Oh, yeah, they're visiting Paris. <laughs> yeah. Indigenous leaders in Paris issue declaration calling for the end of fossil fuel extraction. The sound of drums and chanting rang across... Let me see if I can screw this up really good. <laughs> Bastion de la Velte. Uh, that's Paris's largest artificial lake. So, you know, send me an email to yeah. how to pronounce it correctly. I don't know how you would send it in an email <laughs> yeah. to how to pronounce Maybe it Maybe a sound file like Bastion de la Viette. That sounds a lot better than I what I said. I think I'm closer. My brother would have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Just like... Um, on Sunday, as representatives from indigenous tribes stretching from the Arctic to the Amazon demonstrated against the extraction of fossil fuels and the emission of indigenous rights from an international climate treaty, a group of about 25 activists gathered on canoes and kayaks on the lake displaying flags emblazoned with traditional symbols while others joined from above hanging banners off a nearby bridge. Following the demonstration on the water, six indigenous speakers spoke about their desires for a climate agreement that respects their territorial rights and traditional lands. Together, the leaders released three declarations. One, signifying the creation of a coalition between all indigenous women of America. One, asking that sacred Amazon forests be legally protected, and one asking for the end of fossil fuel extraction and subsidies. Yeah, so here's a quote from them. Uh, we are here to call upon the governments of the world that they must respect the rights of indigenous peoples, 
Faith Gimmel Fredson, Executive Director of Ridoyle and a member of the Nitsai Gwich'in people, said during a press conference, quote, no more false solutions. We don't have time. Despite their proximity to the consequences of climate change, indigenous communities have had to battle simply to be included in the international climate agreement that is expected to come out of the Paris talks, hopefully today. As late in the talks as Thursday, two days before the draft of a climate deal was sent to ministers to use as basis for upcoming negotiations, it seems that any mention of indigenous communities and indigenous rights might not make it into the agreement. As of Saturday, it appears as though references to indigenous rights have been reinserted into the text. So, so they took it out and then people complained and they put it back in. <laughs> so here's another quote. Uh, it's key that we are here as indigenous communities because we are the front lines communities. Dallas Goldtooth of the Medequantan Dakota and Dene peoples said, our relationship to Mother Earth is being impacted, and our way to live our lives is being destroyed. Cassie Camp Hornick, an environmental and native rights activist from the Ponca Nation of Oklahoma, spoke of the changes she has seen as hydraulic fracturing has boomed across the state. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, we've reported multiple times about how Oklahoma now has a lot of earthquakes. Since 2009, Oklahoma has seen an intense spike in earthquakes, becoming the most seismically active state in the... I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> the most seismically active state in the lower 48 in 2014. She likened the spread of fracking through Oklahoma to the original, quote, environmental genocide, end quote, caused by European settlers bringing smallpox and colonizing indigenous people's lands. Quote, now, they come with refineries, with fracking, and with pipelines, she said. They killed the air, they killed the earth, they killed the water, end quote. Yeah. That's one of my concerns with removing this uh, uh, oil export ban, too, is that if it's going to increase, you know, oil drilling and fracking, and then we'll have, you know, here in southern Illinois, among other places, places that currently aren't having fracking and drilling, will get it because people want to sell it. Right. I mean, basically, we're willing for a few dollars to compromise our long-term health. Yeah. You know, I mean, not only our health, our lives. So So it's good to see indigenous activists speaking up for that. And um, everybody, remember, it's the 11th hour of the 11th day or the 12th day of the conference. Mm -hmm. And so please keep good thoughts on uh, good worldwide plan coming out of Paris. And it looks like there's a very good chance. I mean, there has been some tremendous surprises that were unexpected. Because the, when they came into the conference, most of them had already said what they were planning to do. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't like, and then they had to like, you know, do a little bit of compromise to do the final document. But there has been like tremendous changes on what people have planned to do. Yeah, there's actually been progress, it sounds like. And I, I'm still, you know, I'm still skeptical. I don't think it's going to be enough, but... If they can push it closer to what we need, then the grassroots activists back home can keep pushing it even closer, and maybe we'll actually get there. Well, so far, have we had a climate conference that has done anything? <laughs> this, this would be the most successful one if they actually achieve some of these goals they're talking about. And then people in local communities can build on those uh, 
successes. And part of it is people are being, you know, hit upside the head with climate change. I mean, it's not like it's no longer abstract. Yeah. You know, it's really hitting people in their lives. And I mean, around the world, I mean, we're having climate refugees that are streaming into Europe as we speak. Yeah. All right. So some holidays coming up. Ooh, Sunday is ice cream day. Oh, come on. Why do we have to have one day? Yeah. I like eating ice cream in the winter better. I remember walking out of a store eating ice cream, and it was, like, slightly snowing. And the lady said to my dad, why would you buy the kid an ice cream? He, my dad is, like, eating ice cream, too. He's like, because you can savor it. Take your time. Yeah. It lasts you know? much longer in the winter. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, yeah. and you don't get brain freeze. Yeah. I don't think you do. <laughs> just, like, you probably still do. Well, Sunday is also violin day, so you can listen to a violin playing while you eat your ice cream. Sunday is also International Children's Day. So buy a, an international child either a violin or an ice cream. Yeah. So. All right. Also coming up, uh, Roast Chestnut Day on Monday. Oh, and the Bill of Rights Day is on Tuesday. So celebrate those rights while we still have them. Wednesday is National Chocolate Covered Anything Day. <laughs> Uh, now that's quite a challenge. I love chocolate, but I'm sure there are some things I would not eat if they were covered in chocolate. I mean, um, banana. Oh, banana's good. Orange. Yeah. Orange. Uh, those are sweet, though. Let's go to savory. Um, kale. Kale. Uh, I would. I would try it. <laughs> Just like... I don't know if it would be good, but I would try it. Well, Thursday is National Maple Syrup Day. So how do we blend chocolate and maple syrup? Uh, I'm so. sure there are plenty of delicious ways <laughs> to do that. And December is write a friend month, so it's especially letter writing, you know, the ancient art of letter writing that has been forgotten. And if you don't have friends, there's a website called Post Crossing, and what it is is you receive a random address of somebody and you send them a letter or a postcard, and then you will receive one in return from somebody else randomly. Yeah. You know, maybe not that exact same person, but uh, so far I've sent out five. I yet to receive one yet, but... Mm -hmm. Four of those got received in, like, Russia or Ukraine or um, Saturdays. It is winter. That means the winter farmer's market has commenced inside the Carbondale Community High School. And, of course, instead of just vegetables, they also have artisans, music. And then um, last week they had a bunch of uh, kid stuff. I know there's going to be something special this Saturday, students from the SIU's art department will be hosting an art sale. Locally made soaps, healing plant oils, and even locally grown loofah sponges will also be available at the indoor market during December. Mm -hmm. So um, lots and lots of things to pick up for the holidays because I heard that you're supposed to give gifts. <laughs> yeah, that old thing. So, yeah, that's exciting having maybe they could call it the farmers and artisans and, you know, but they would run out of room to do all the titles. Well, well that's it, at the farmers markets this Saturday. Well, it is the Carbondale Community Farmers Market. So it's the community and the farmers. Yeah. There you go. There you go. But the farmers are the most important part mm. because without food, maybe that's actually pretty good. I'd be skinnier, <laughs> but I'd be dead, too. Yeah, without food for a while, you just end up starving. So we love our farmers. Also coming up this weekend, the New Humanist Forum is presenting scientific advances that might change our lives. This is on Sunday at 12.15 p.m. at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. 
It's going to feature Joe Schmidt uh, with this presentation. And he's earned his PhD at Purdue and is now a retired chair of the Department of Biochemistry and Molecular Biology. So 12.30, or excuse me, 12.15 p.m. at Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. And I almost forgot, I did have a guest on last week. We talked about Ivis John's fifth annual Blue Christmas. That is Saturday at Shyrock. Shrock. <laughs> I always say it wrong. Shryock. Um <laughs> Doors open at 6.30. The best thing about it is all the money goes to the Super Splash Park. And so that's going to be opening. If you missed the interview last week, it will be opening in May. So good music for a good cause. Also coming up, we have the Free Cycle Shop. What's Free Cycle? <laughs> yes, Free Cycle. It's like recycling where you get a bunch of free stuff that you give to each other. Oh, it's so if I have junk I want to get rid of? <laughs> well, if you have things that someone else might still like that you want to get rid of. That's junk, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, my junk is your treasure. Yes. Yeah, so if I have stuff that I was thinking of donating to the thrift store or... Yeah, stuff you know, like that. Um, doing my holiday cleaning so I'll be able to have space to buy more stuff. I don't know. Hmm. Um, so free cycle shop. So free cycling is where someone gives it away and someone else gets it. Yeah, and it's all for free. There you go. And so people can come and they can bring their own stuff that they think someone else might like and they can go away with something they like. Where at? It's happening at Guy House Interfaith Center. Oh, all right. Tuesday through Thursday next week from noon to 8 p.m. So if you have extra stuff that you want to give away, all community members are invited to bring stuff they don't want but someone else might to Guy House. And then, of course, everybody's welcome to come and browse through it. And then whatever's left over at the end will be donated to the thrift shop. Yes. So completely, completely get used by the community and then get used by the community. Transpoetic Playground on Tuesday, December 15th at 8 p.m. at Guy House. Transpoetic Playground. Did you know that Carbondale is the home of the poets? Yes, we are a city of poets. I mean, that's like nationally known. <laughs> yeah. Oh, who was it? There was some, some national talk uh, radio person who mentioned us as the City of Poets. Um, the guy from What NPR. Do You Know. Yeah. What do you, yeah. So, yes, we are nationally known as a City of Poets. Transpoetic Playground meets at Guy House on the first and third Tuesdays of each month. Guy House invites all to share some poetry or simply to enjoy the performances. We look forward to seeing you there. Um... There are some simple guidelines. Um, what do you call it? Food are welcome, but we make no guarantee about their availability. And then there's a meditation event at 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. So if you do show up at 8, remember there's still people might be still meditating. So Yeah. But it's a good time. You can share poetry or you can just come listen as well. 8 p.m. Tuesday at Guy House. Also coming up, we have the movie and pizza party over at Guy House Interfaith Center, not this Friday, but next Friday at 7 p.m. And part of why we mention it a week early is because on Facebook, there's a voting process where you can help pick the movie. All right. So there's several options up there already, or you could suggest your own option for a movie. Uh, the one I've voted for so far is the Stanford Prison Experiment. Wait a second. <laughs> You're not allowed to, like, stack your votes like that. Yeah. <laughs> Just like... Well, you could come. I've, if you have some other movie you want to do, then you've got to show up and vote in order to uh, overthrow the one that I voted for. <laughs> <laughs> overthrow. Yeah. That's the democratic process. <laughs> yeah. So whether you want to support the movie that I want to watch or you want to be like, hey, I don't want to watch Two Songs movie. Yeah. That's why we vote on it. So... 
Um, there, there are some other really good options there, too. Like, it's often hard to pick which movie because there's usually several interesting ideas. So you go vote now, but when's the actual film? Yeah, the actual film is next Friday, December 18th at 7 p.m. at Gaia House. There you go. Man, it's December 18th here already. <laughs> wow. This month is flying. Time flies when you're having fun. Just to remind everybody, we're only about a week and a half from when the days start getting longer. So these are our darkest times. We see the light coming back. Yes, our darkest hour is here, but we will emerge through it into the light. It is the the 11th hour of the 11th day in our darkest times. We will emerge into the light. (laughs) I think that that was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty dramatic there. (laughs) Um, If you would like your happening to happen, please email us, the happening guys, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And you should also post it on the WDBX.org community calendar. So email it to us. We'll mention it. Post it on the community calendar. Other DJs will mention it. Yes. So see you again on the radio next week. And we'll hopefully talk about the splendid victory in Paris. <laughs> Ta-da!